welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Okay, uh, everyone, if you have not been here before, let me introduce myself. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this sort of YouTube channel. It's not sort of a YouTube channel. It is a YouTube channel and company called Real Rap with Reynolds, which really just means real talk. And what we do, all of us here, the people that are live, the people that are in the chat, and even the people that ask and answer things after this, um, we are part of a community that shows up every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and we share our what's going on in our lives. There's questions, there's answers. It's not just me answering stuff, but like you put a question in the chat, we answer it. Um, so if you can show up live, awesome. If this is beneficial to you, bring a friend. Tell someone, dude, you gotta get on this because you had a terrible week this week and we need to talk about it and Tracy Pinter might just have the exact answer that you need. Um, and then uh, we all also belong to a community on Facebook. There's the Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook that is a closed group. So there's like no businesses in there. Um, we don't even like, it's, it gets weird. Like we, uh, most of the time it's like if someone tries to promote themselves, we just like, um, don't even allow that. It's just a place to ask questions, get answers, share ideas, that kind of thing. It's really, really wonderful. Um, and yeah, if that's not enough, I have a book named, uh, called, named, titled, Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. It's a, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a, like, I'm in a foggy place this morning, this afternoon. So like, uh, we'll get there. Plus it's raining outside and I don't know. Madness in our lives. Madness and it's but good it's stuff. It's been an off morning though. It has but it's been like peaceful. Like I I've been yeah. sleeping later, um, because I've been staying up later. So like, and then but it was nice. Like we got a walk in this morning, did coffee and stuff like that together. Uh, some more church on TV because that's you know that's all we can get I these days. I can't to go to church in person again. Church on TV is uh. something, something interesting. I feel like uh your mom. He's always watching church on TV 24 hours a day. Uh, plus, I got this sty this week, which I never had a sty in my life, but it's basically a pimple on your eye, and it looks like you have, it looks like you have, you're either a zombie or you got coronavirus. So, that's that. Um, so cool. Let's jump into questions. So, if you have a question, I, I'm, I'm meandering t today. Uh, if you have a question, all you have to do is drop it in the chat. If you could put Q or question before it, that would be great. Um, and then those questions... Well, uh, well, you know, you don't even know all the particulars, but uh, my buddy Edie is pulling them out and putting them in the Google Doc for me so I can read them better. Um, and they don't get lost. We sometimes get, like, there's so much conversation happening, which is wonderful, but then, like, I sometimes, like, the top part of it disappears or something like that into the, I don't know, the ether. I guess to, like, make space, like, data-wise, they, like, disappear every so often. Yeah. Like, a chunk of them disappear, and sometimes we don't get to all of them. Yeah. And then we're... Out of sorts. So, man, all right, ready to get into this? I feel like people are going to have a ton of questions because people went back to school and um, it seems like craziness. Man? You just go right to here where it says 100%. Oh, thank and you. you just bring it down to like, I don't know, 75 is pretty good. Perfect. Where are we at? Scott Ordway? Yep. All right, man. Scott, what's up? Um, thanks for calling in, Scott. Here's your question. Uh, some of my live Zoom sessions are long and some are short. Depending on the content of the day, how do you not feel bad if it's a short Zoom session? It makes me feel like I'm not working hard. Scott, that's, uh, that's, man, that's a great question. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that teachers are, 
Um, I sometimes feel like, there, I don't know if this is true because I don't, my dog leaves food in his bowl all the time, but I heard somewhere that like dogs will actually eat themselves to death. So like if they can just keep eating and eating and eating, they become like Pizza the Hut and Spaceballs and they just like, well, actually he ate himself to death because he got locked in his limousine, but that's neither here nor there. But um, I feel like teachers are like that with work, that if we're not killing ourselves, then we're not doing a good job. And so, you know, Scott, a few years ago, I was reading a book called The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss, and he gives this very simple workout regimen in somewhere in the book. And it was like, I think it was like a, one set of like four exercises. And you weren't allowed to like, on your days off, you weren't allowed to do more. You weren't allowed to do one more set. You weren't allowed, it was like, you have to stick to this limited um, amount of work that you could do. And that was so interesting to me. So I'd get up early in the morning, get up at five and like go to the gym and I'd be in Planet Fitness and I'd be there for like 30 minutes because like, and most of that was like not really working out. It was like stretching and warming up. And then I would do like these four exercises and peace out. And people that I knew in the gym were talking about me and being like, yo, Reynolds, like, dude's like, just comes in and leaves. Like, I don't even know if he's really even doing anything. He's, not, he's barely sweating when he leaves. And it's like, yeah, that's because I have to stick to this regimen. Um, but what I found what, that was a really good exercise in really was the minimum viable effort, right? Seeing like what you can do if you're not working yourself to death, especially right now, Scott, like with COVID going on, I think teachers being mindful of their mental health, of their social emotional health, of the health of those around them and, and like finding some balance that wasn't there before is is crucial. So I think some days something takes a long time. Like some recipes take a lot of preparation. They take a lot of effort. They take a lot of pre pregame to pull it off. Some don't, some are super easy. Um, and, and so I think I would think of it like that. Like some days you need more, some days you don't need as much, uh, but that's all right. And you're giving your students a break as well. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing to be able to do also. So um, I just wouldn't feel bad because I think we've been trained to think that if we're not the last person out of the building, if we're not working our faces off and we're not exhausted at the end of the day, we didn't do a good job when sometimes things are simple and sometimes they're not. So I, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, Amanda Davis is asking, hello Reynolds. Uh, hope you have a good vacation. I did have a good vacation. And then we even went to the beach again this week and did some other stuff. So it's been really, really great. Um, good waves to her to boogie board on the other it day. Was, it was a perfect so, beach day. Surfing is a pain in the ass sometimes. There's not enough room in the car and then you gotta attach the surfboard to the top of it. It's the whole thing. But boogie boarding is my new favorite thing in the last two years. Um, I have a lot of ELL students. The few that understand no English. We are virtual for nine weeks. Any tips I teach kindergarten? Um, Amanda, I think, so I, I'm, not in, I'm not like a professional in this, but I know it has worked for me before. I, I when I taught students in Camden, New Jersey, and I don't know, let's say it was 50, 50. Um, but like, like half of my students were, uh, English language learners, or they were like, you know, so English is primary language at home. Um, but in school they, they like, or, or, or rather Spanish was primary language at home and at home at school, they really struggled because they didn't speak the language. I didn't, I think the, the number one thing you can do, when a student is struggling with anything, with any kind of, of 
of difference or, or disability is to not pretend it's not there, right? And I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I think teachers do this often. Um, so what I do instead is address it. Hey kid, come here. Um, try and get someone to translate for you if necessary uh, for, for whatever language th that child speaks and then put them with someone. So like, let the child know, hey, look, I don't speak your native language and, and your you know, uh, English isn't your strong suit yet, um, but you need to know more than anything that I'm gonna do anything I can to help you. Any help that you need, any time that you're just like, you, you, even if it's not in this class, if you're in someone else's class and you're really struggling, well, I mean, they're in kindergarten, but I want you to know that I wanna do anything I can for you. Um, and there's gotta be some kid in the kindergarten class that is gonna feel empowered to be like, oh no, like, yeah, I'm like the helper. Um, I'm like the, the assistant to the teacher right now. And then have them as much as possible help that student. If, if that's not possible because you're in, you know, it's Zoom, um, I think trying to figure out like, even if it's completely different work or it looks completely different or it's way less stuff, like I, it's just trying to find something for that child to do, even if it's completely different. Um, and just knowing that like in my experience, the students picked up English really, really quickly because they had to. Um, so it was like, because they're immersed in it and that's what they're learning and teaching and, and, and or that how things are being taught every day, that really helps. Other than that, I'm just wondering if there's like some kind of, like, I, I'm wondering what other teachers in your school are doing to, to benefit that. Like that, that would be something I would wonder about as well. Um, so I, I actually want to throw this out to the group because like, what do you all think like, in person, I can, I feel like this is something that I had a handle on, but like virtually, what are you doing with students that don't speak English as a first language um, that need to in your class and you are virtual online? Like, so like sometimes partnering them up, sometimes doing certain stuff is just very, very difficult. Uh, plus they're not in school learning the language either. Like they're doing it on Zoom, but I feel like it's easier to check out, but they're still like literally living at their house and then virtually you know, put in. So anyway, I'm just wondering what, what, what folks are doing for that too. Um, I don't know how to say that. I don't know. I'm going to say it's poi, 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 pee. We're going to go with that and say that that's, I'm saying it right. This is my first year of teaching and I'm struggling planning. I have, it's like I have choice paralysis. Are there any tips uh, on how I can make, uh, ease your anxiety um yes we got married before pinterest was a thing and i'm really thankful for that <laughs> it was like there were a handful of wedding magazines out there you go you buy them all in one shot you spend however much money you come home and that's what you got to go off of uh i think that that sort of anxiety is there here's why i think that that anxiety exists is because most teachers want to have the best lesson plan. They want to have the perfect lesson plan. They want to have just the right thing. The problem is that you don't, you can't know at this early in the year who your students really are and what the best thing is going to be because you want to create something that is best for those students, not for all students, not for the students that you imagine in your head. So that should allow you, like when I think about that, it gives me a little slack to be like, all right, like it's, it's not necessarily the lesson, it's how I'm going to teach it. It's how, what am I conveying when I'm teaching it? So 
I tell teachers all the time, um, there's so much stuff on the internet. Just take stuff, just steal things. Like just go, and my wife hates when I say steal, but uh, it's like go on whatever website, you know, whether you're, whether you're paying for something or you're not paying for something. Um, cause I never pay for, I've paid for lessons like two times in my whole life. Um, and one kind of sucked and the other one was actually really decent. Uh, but I, I'm just not good at like drawing graphics and I wanted a thing. And so I just paid for it. Anyway, that being said, um, I, this year am like, if I have to buy a unit, like from, I don't know, teachers pay teachers or somewhere else because I, because it exists virtually and I don't want to have to figure, I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours figuring out how to do something that potentially long-term isn't even going to be something I'm really going to do. Uh, so it's like, it's, it's like figuring, just taking something and then what if you, same thing I said before, like same thing about like the, the workout situation, you're doing something. And then sprinkle magic on that. And I think that sometimes it is far better for us to have less to 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 pick from than than too much to pick from. And there's a really great um, you should check out this TED talk. I talk about I speak about it in my book, uh, Teacher Class Off. But there's a guy named oh damn it, what's his name? Phil Hansen. And uh, on YouTube, it's Phil in the Circle. You should look up his TED talk. And he talks about how like when he got out of art school, he bought all these art supplies and then he had like, couldn't figure out what to create. But then when he had to like pare it down and he had like, you know, some paper cups and some pencils, like he was able to make stuff. And then he does all this great art based on like very, very minimal stuff. So I think sometimes having the internet, the downside of that is you're right. You have like this paralysis. You're not really sure what to pick. So pick something, sprinkle magic over it. Uh, or on it, and then figure out where your kids are, who your kids are, what they're interested in, and then start interweaving those things into your lesson. And that's what's actually going to make it great. Um, because because all those lessons, the, the thing is this, all those lessons are probably useful. If the right person teaches them, they'll work. But it doesn't mean that they are for everyone. It's sort of like every exercise, every like whether it's South Beach diet, keto, plant-based, um, paleo, whatever, they all work, but it's like, do, but do they, do they work for you? Um, or, or like, can you stick to it? And if you can stick to it, the lesson is, 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 I, I think is not as crucial as how you're delivering the lesson. Um, Mr. James Pete is asking, I don't know why I just said it like that, but first day of school, uh, what you got, what are you planning on doing the sprinkle of magic this year? James, I, so Here's the fun, I'll tell you what I'm planning on doing, but I don't exactly know how it's going to roll out. Um, I just got on Friday, I think, our return date for PD, for so like the first two weeks of PD, which is all being held virtual. Um, I don't know where I'm teaching, like I know it's virtual, but I know we have an, opportunity, an option to teach from our classroom, but I don't know if that opportunity is open to everyone. I don't know what day I go back. I don't know how the kids are coming back. So typically... In the past, we've had very short days on the first day and like a half day schedule, but the kids will come into your class for just 10 minutes. So it's like, I can, I plan for a 10 minute, like, bam, it's going to be fire. Um, but, but like best three songs on my set list are going to get played. And then, and then we leave to leave the kids wanting more and being excited about my class. But I don't know if I start with an hour. I don't know if I have 45 minutes. I don't know if I have 10 minutes. I don't know what. And I also don't know like how many classes I'm teaching that day. But my plan is 
always first day. Um, tell kids how excited I am to be there and prove it. Like I'm going to tell you like about like uh, like why I teach, why I teach here, why like why this is important to me. Um, and I'm excited about teaching. And then I'm going to talk about myself. And I have like a short little PowerPoint about myself, about our class, about um, I talk about things like what we've done in the past, um, like trips that we've gone on and, and lessons that we've done and things like crazy things that happen and the visitors that come into our class. Then I want to talk about the third thing is this year is a little different um, because I want to at least note that this year is going to be different, that this year could be potentially like, I'm not exactly sure how things are going to shake out because we're doing virtual and I've never done virtual for a, like a full year or, or, or from the beginning of the year anyway. So it's noting that, but then following that up with, look, no matter what, I want this to be the best year ever, no matter what, no matter if we're sitting, if this is the closest we ever get to one another, if we get to go back midway through the year, if we go back for the last month of school, I have no idea. But know that I want this to be the greatest possible experience that you can have. I want this to be your favorite class of the day. I want you to never like lament. I want you to like, even if you hated English up until now, there is hope for you in this class. And even if you don't like my class the best, or even if you don't like school, maybe you hate all of school. I want you to hate my class the least. And so that's, that's what I go for on the first day. No policies, no procedures, none of that stuff. Um, even all the Google stuff and all the sign and in stuff, I, my hope, my hope is that the other seven teachers, the students have are going over that stuff at nauseum because that's typically what people do. And then, um, I don't have to, to work on that the first day. Cause I don't even care. Like, I don't even care about homework or anything on the first day. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about your summer reading project. None of that stuff. It's just, I'm excited. I'll do anything to help you because you're really important to me and I'm going to make this year the best possible year that I can make despite all that's going on in the world. Um, Ray Villegas? Villegas. Villegas. I think I'm saying that right. Ray, <laughs> apologize for my inability to say But at least he something. knows. Yeah, oh, no, wait, Edie no, does that. Edie, did that. Edie was, breaks yeah. it down phonetically, that's but right. I still Sorry. struggle with it sometimes. Anyway, Ray, um... How would you teach live or online? How would you teach live or on and online classes at the same time? So if you're like a hybrid model and you have to do uh, both simultaneously. I think Ray, that's a great question. Let me, let me explain it like this. I was talking to someone yesterday, uh, someone that gets mentoring from me. So like, if you want, there's this thing you can sign up for. It's hour long mentoring sessions. And I walk you through everything that you're doing. Um, lesson planning, classroom management, whatever you're having a problem with toxic teachers. Um, so we were having a conversation yesterday and what, uh, they were saying was that, um, they have group A and group B on any particular week. Group A is in the classroom during that week. Group B, which is the other half of their class is at home. They never cross pollinate the classes, which I think is good. Um, but then the following week it switches. And so group B is in the classroom. Group A is at home. If I was doing a model like that, I would teach something that Monday, you're teaching all week and setting kids up for the homework. So there's no actual homework during the week, really, that we are in class together. Like we're like face to face in the building um, because all that work can be done the following week. So you're setting it up so that like if there's a project, 
maybe you're working on the project little bits at a time, making sure everyone understands, you know, Google Slides or Adobe or whatever other program that you're using. And then when they go home, you're kind of like sending them off with all the things that they need to make that thing happen. So maybe, so as a reading teacher, like that's when all the real reading will be happening. Like, but when we come back, we'll do like close reading or we'll do questions or we'll like base things on what you did during, during that week. But that's what I'm thinking because what I don't want to do is plan two things. I don't want to be teaching two things at once. I don't want to teach to the, to the kids online, um, anything new or anything that it's going to be better served learning in class. So it's like when I go to the doctor, right? So I go to this osteopath and she, um, will like take me in and she like manipulates my body and stuff like that. And then she teaches me some stretches and then she'll be like, all right, come back in two weeks, but these are the stretches I want you to do every single day. Um, and this is how I want you to exercise. So then I go and I do that and then I go back and we check in. I'm thinking about it in the same exact way as that. So like, I'm kind of like setting the kids up and then saying, okay, go do a thing and then come back and let's see what happened. But also just being available online if they need me. Um, that, that I, and I think here's why I like that, that model a lot. It is giving ownership to the students. It's freeing you up from having to teach two things at the same time. Um, and you're, you're essentially with all that, that the planning that this year is going to take, you're planning for like a week. And then the next week when that other group comes in live, you're teaching them that same thing for a week. So like one class is essentially a week behind the other, but I think that that just cuts your planning in half also, which can be really useful, especially like I said, since we're doing everything virtual, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of going back and like refiguring out stuff that you used to do before. Um, Anna, right. Anna is asking, my school is having, is going back to school four days a week with an online Friday. Here are some of, uh, what are some of the socially distance engaging act? Wait, what? What are some, oh, I'm not, I'm trying to read at the bottom. I forgot that it's at the top. My bad, I apologize. My school is going back to school four days a week with an online Friday. What are some ideas for socially distance engaging activities? I've been thinking of some, but I'm running out of ideas. Um, that's a great question. I've not really given a whole lot of thought to. I just feel like this is so difficult because we're like still in vacation mode where like most of the country is like back to at least starting school. Yeah. But Since we're at the very end, you know, it, we go back the latest. I think it's tricky too, because like I, for me, and I, so I want to, I want to ask that question to the group. Here's, here's my question, everyone. And then I'm going to tell you why I'm, I have a hard time with this. Anna is, so it's Anna Barona. If you could answer back to her, she said uh, her school's going back four days a week with online Friday. What are some ideas for socially distance engaging activities? Um, I've been trying to think of some, but I'm running out of ideas. I have been thinking about how like we aren't one-to-one -one in our school. So my freshmen are not one-to-one. -one. I use very, very little technology in my classroom because um, it's not available. And if you do get it, like if you want to use computers or something, you have to get it like you have to like sign them out and then they show up and sometimes they're not plugged in before. And then sometimes they're broken or sometimes the keys are all messed up in the computer and stuff. It's just like, it's, it is a problem that I don't want to have. So I just don't do it. And I know that the kids are getting it in other classes. So I just, I don't worry about it. So I, I focus on like reading, I focus on writing and I've talked, focus on critical thinking and how to uh, be an active listener. Um, those are like my four main things every year. So it's, 
because I'm not using technology, I don't, it's like coming up with activities through that is really not something like I'm, I'm ready for either. So I'm wondering what everyone else has in terms of that. Um, and sometimes I think it could be this attitude. Like sometimes when I'm stuck in class, I'm not really sure what to do. I will ask the students, what, what do you think we could do? Like, all right, here's the thing we have to, here's what we're doing. How can we make this fun? Um, how can we make this engaging? And so that's where some of like my favorite lessons have come in the past where I, I remember my first year, I, I'm pretty sure that it came from students. We were doing persuasive essay stuff and it was really boring and everyone hated it. So instead we created, um, desi decided to do like uh, two to three minute QVC ads. So you, the, every kid like imagined some sort of product that they wanted everyone to buy. And then using the things we had talked about with regards to persuasive essay and how to persuade someone, um, how to write a persuasive speech, we took those elements and then we, we just did it with regards to a QVC ad. So kids made all these crazy ideas. Um, they had to create a prototype. They had to have it, they had to come in and either have it recorded ahead of time or come in and present their product and talk about it and try and get us to, to buy it for some reason. And that was really great. But that was because I asked the students, like, what do you guys want to do? Like, how do you feel about this? Or, um, when, if in my book, I talk about also when we did, uh, the first time we did the Harlem Renaissance museum, um, we were doing something similar. We were doing a project that no one liked and it was, it was total drag. And so I said, well, what do you like, what do you guys want to do then? Like, like, what do you like? Uh, and that came out like when we did the Lego project, it was the same thing. And when we did mask building one year for Lord of the Flies, it was the same thing. So it comes out of like, what are you all interested in? What do you think could be a possibility here? And I like that idea for a number of reasons, but mainly because it gives students say, it gives students power in the classroom. It gives them uh, a seat at the table to be able to communicate, no, this is how I wanna learn and what I wanna learn about. And then you as a teacher have to figure out how to make you know, here's the curriculum, here's the stuff that I have to do, connect with all this, you know, with the things that the kids are interested in or the ways that they want to learn. Um, so I'm sorry, I don't have a better question for that, but I'm sure like as the year goes on, I will. Uh, Vanessa is asking, um, how do you develop classroom culture in a virtual environment? Vanessa, I'm, I, I, taking, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say because I don't, it could sound harsh. I, I don't like betting against other educators, but the fact of the matter is, is that school is largely very, very boring. And in that, um, it is, the bar is usually set so incredibly low that it's not hard to really make an impact, really have an engaging class, really have something that's different. And look, I teach in a class, in a school where I see people trying stuff all the time. And, you know, we were listening to something interesting this morning that said, um, when you see other people, so I think that teachers are 100% in this wheelhouse, you see another educator doing something that's awesome. You're in your classroom and they're out in the parking lot. You're in your classroom and they're walking through the hallways. They're um, out in the football field. They are, you know, the kids are walking around the school during class doing some sort of activity individually. They are... 
Um, it's always loud in that room. You always hear commotion. You always hear the kids talking about that teacher or that class or laughing about what happened today. And as teachers, I think a lot of times that makes a lot of us really competitive and it makes us jealous. And we think like, well, the, oh, well, like they're just in, you know, whatever, like they're just, uh, they're probably not really learning anything or like all they do is screw around or, you know, like, or you just beat yourself up because you wish your class was like that. I think what it should be doing instead is showing you what's possible. You are not trying to do what they're doing. You're trying to see what's possible. But so that being said, it's like how to build uh, effective culture, classroom culture in a virtual environment is, is being authentic with kids. And I think, I think daring to enter the world of students um, before we ask them to enter the, our world which is why when I start the school year, the first project that we do is on the kids. It is 10 moments from your life between birth and now that, that, that made you into the human being that you are today. And when we can do that, what I'm really doing, right? I'm, of course, I'm creating a project and there's a rubric and there's, there's rules and there's things I need to see and all that stuff, yes. What I'm really doing is saying, hey, those couple things I said I wanna do at the beginning of the year, I'm really excited to be here, I'll do anything to help you and even though this is virtual, we're gonna have try and have the best year ever. Um, the next thing is, tell me about you. I don't want to tell you policies, pro procedures, none of that stuff. I don't want to go into any of that crap. Yet, the next thing that is the most important thing to me is you. So if you go on my website, realwrapwithreynolds.com, uh, to the resources page where I have like only a handful of resources right now, but um, there's a Who Am I page. I have to hand that out to all the students. Have them fill it out. Um, in the virtual world, they can just fill it out with a pen or a pencil and then they just take a picture of it, upload it to Google Classroom. The next thing I have them do is that project, like I said, 10 moments between birth and now that made you into the human being that you are. The beauty in that is you will find out an enormous amount of stuff about how your students think about things, feel about things, things they've been through, traumas they've been through, amazing places that they've gone to, where they were born, you know, what their life looks like. And then you collect all that and you use it in your lessons. Right, you know, you find out that for whatever reason this year everyone's watching Phineas and Ferb. You just go on and you check out Phineas and Ferb, and you you now your uh, word problems, your journal prompts, whatever it is, is through Phineas and Ferb. Maybe you tie in a little bit of. Uh, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Um, there's a YouTuber called Laserbeam, and Laserbeam does this um, thing called Dumb Shit Science, and uh, but he's from Australia, so it's Dumb Shit Science, and he. <laughs> It's like, but I would like, and it's all based in Fortnite, but it's like, I would pull some of that into my actual science program, right? It is daring to go into the world of your students and then pull that stuff into your classroom. And I'm telling you, telling you, telling you that doing this makes class relevant. The biggest fear always is that you're going to look like you're trying to be cool. You're going to look like you're trying to be down. What does he think he's doing talking about this? That teacher is a 65-year-old white man from the South that loves country music. Why is he listening to J. Cole right now? He doesn't like J. Cole. He don't get down with J. Cole. But he does for the students. He's watching. Like, if my teachers had watched Beavis and Butthead when I was a kid and based a mm -hmm. lesson on it, or, like, even said, like, hey, do you know, let's talk about comic relief. Here's a clip from Beavis and Butthead, as if we could do clips back when I was in high school. But whatever. Even if they just had a picture of it and they explained it, um... It would have blown my mind. I know my teachers were watching Bees and Butthead or Ren and Stimpy or any other dumb crap that I was watching when I was a kid. But 
but we are, I think that that's going to be huge. And it's going to show kids this, that you matter, that what you like isn't dumb, isn't trash, isn't crap. I'm not going to sit here and talk trash on how stupid TikTok is and how it makes every kid have an eight second, um, like attention span. What I'm doing is saying that I don't, I don't care what you're into. I'll get into it so I can teach you through the lens of that. And I think that that shows kids that they're real, that you're listening, that you're paying attention and that you're not just filling out who am I web like forms for some formality that you're never going to look at. You're actually looking at them and then checking out the YouTubers, the TikTokers and all that stuff too. Um, Daylock classroom. My buddy is asking, I'm 24 years old. I'm, I'm 43 years old. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, first year teaching. I feel, uh, oh, I'm reading at the bottom again. I feel, I feel like because I'm, you know, oh, I was, I was reading that. You know how sometimes your brain is trying to like, never mind. Yeah. Um, I feel like because I'm younger, I don't know much about, um, I don't, oh my gosh, I'm winning at life right now. I feel like because I'm younger, I don't know how much I have to offer as far as life experiences go. Did you ever have that type of insecurity? Um, I would say this, that's a really wonderful question because what, one of the things I'm always talking about is what's that? I just think like you survived being a teenager, like a hundred percent. So I think you do have stuff. There are lessons that come out of it. But that. I think it's, it's interesting right now because I would point this out to you also. I'm going to answer your I'm question. People that start school or start teaching older in life, like in their forties, fifties, sixties, always think but I'm not young. Like, and they think that that is the thing that's going to potentially hold them back from being a great teacher. And then folks that are really young that are like 22, 23, 24, um, think, but I'm really young. Is that going to hold me back from being a good teacher? I think this is, is the, is the answer here that you have done stuff, gone through stuff, felt stuff that your students are about to. So whether you're teaching, if you're teaching, um, high school, right? And you're 24, you remember you're, you're like closer to 14 than you're closer to those kids age than you are to my age. And the beauty in that is remembering what it was like on some level. And it's not like, look for every kid, it's different for every neighborhood. It's going to be different every, like there's a lot of different factors, but I think that the bottom line is 14 is tough. You're, you're, you are breaking away from what your parents raised you on. You're trying to come up with your own ideas. You are, you know, your taste in music and culture and pop culture and uh, movies and TV. And you're getting away from toys and you're starting to like people and like have all those hormonal feelings and stuff. Like all that stuff is so new for them. And you as someone that's 24, you're not that far removed, but you've been a little bit further. Right. So it's like if we were walking down a trail and you went 10 miles ahead. Right. So if there's a 10 year difference, this is my math. Um, if you went 10 miles ahead and then came back and reported back, you don't know what the end of the trail looks like. You don't know what every peril and everything and how to deal with every single situation because you haven't been that far. But you've been further than the rest of us. So if there's some quicksand, if there's some bad choices that we can make, if there's a bear trap, um, if there are uh, a a gaggle of, of cheetahs living up there and they're going to kill us because they live in a group and they, hu they eat human flesh. I don't know. That was really weird. But like, um, you can report back on that. And I think that helps. The other thing that's going to help too, to, to remember 
no matter how old you are, is that simply caring for people, showing that you care and listening is what's going to win the day. Um, I'm always saying that your attention is more important than your advice. You don't have to have the answer for everything. You don't have to have the answer for anything, right? The things your students, even if you teach in the same exact school that you grew up in, are going to go through things that you didn't know the kids that you were going to school with were going through. Someone's family's breaking up. Someone's dog died. Someone's friend got shot. Somebody got kidnapped. Somebody, um, you know, had a miscarriage. Like somebody's parents uh, are getting, you know, splitting up or their parents are cheating on one another. Whatever. I don't, I can't relate to almost any of that stuff. But I've, but I can show up. I can listen. I can say, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And I'm really honored that you would share that with me. I'm open and to helping you and to listening to you anytime and doing anything that I can. Um, that I think is something we can all do no matter how old you are. Uh, and so just remember that. Plus, I would say this at 24, your students think that you're going to die any moment now because you are old as hell. And damn, well, you're 24, man, that's like, basically 30 which is basically 40 and 50 and 60 and basically dead um so remember that too it's uh we think we're really young and cool and hip sometimes and then the kids they just <laughs> just let us know that we're not anymore so that's weird um l teacher mom which is i like that uh how do you feel how do you feel is the most effective way to teach grammar and do apps like grammarly um or help students do them is a disservice. How can I assess their writing skills when they use the app? All right, this, this is a great question. Um, I would love if other language teachers could, could speak to this. So the question is, how do you most effectively teach grammar um, and do apps like Grammarly help students or do them a disservice? I, this is, this is really interesting. I think we're in a, because of the age of the internet, we are in a really interesting space as educators right now. Because Seth Godin would say that anything worth, anything worth, no, no, no. He said something to the effect of like anything that you can memorize is not worth memorizing or anything worth something along those lines. Basically like, um, because the internet's right there. So it's like, I don't like, I just think that I have gotten better at spelling in my life, not because I ever had to spell words when I was younger and have spelling tests. I don't really know. I don't really have data to back that up, but I would say that there's a ton of words that I misspell now. Um, but through misspelling them, through having to ask whether it's Google, whether it's Siri, whether it's um, like, whether it's the squiggly line underneath that I see like, man, I'm right. I spell business wrong all the time. I don't even know what, what it is, but why do I spell business wrong all the time? And then, it makes me curious. And then I want to go back and actually figure out how to, to spell it. Right. So like, I don't have to look it up in the dictionary, but I don't know that I was any better for spelling, looking things up in the dictionary than I am like hearing Siri spell it for me. Uh, the, the order of the, the planets or anything else that you could sort of commit to memory just doesn't seem like it's that necessary. I think the beauty in teaching grammar is is any number of things, but what, what it's going to do is allow students. And this is, this is my pitch to my kids. This is why I tell them that grammar is important. Um, you have to know why it's important. Grammar to me is largely important because your story is important. 
and because I want you to be able to tell your story with a level of confidence that you're not going to get hung up on word usage, so vocabulary is important. I don't want you to get hung up on things like people don't understand what you're actually trying to say. Like what you're saying makes sense to you, but it doesn't make sense to the world. So now your story's getting lost and thrown out because the world's moving so quickly right now. We don't have time to sit here and figure you out, like whatever your your spin on this is. Um, so it is: Are you being as 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 clear as possible? to be able to communicate your ideas, your thoughts, your feelings, um, and, and your story. And that is what is important to me. So talking to kids about that's why it's important to use correct punctuation or punctuation at all. Cause some kids like to write, you know, a whole page of stuff with no periods. And it's like, damn, um, to not capitalize words like bro, capitalize your words, because this is the reason that we capitalize words, um, that stop using, a uh, colon there or a semicolon because no kid knows how to use either one of those. Um, stop with the set with the comma splices, and this is why because it's taking this powerful thing you're trying to say, and it's making it all muddled instead. So here's how to make that clear. I'll tell you what the best thing that I ever did in my life, and I hated, hated, hated it when we started in sixth grade was diagramming sentences. But to me. To someone that the rules matter when I'm learning something, I need it spelled out. Like Ikea directions are the worst for me because there's too much of me like interpreting. In like, what is, <laughs> what does that mean? What is he, what is that gentleman doing in the or whatever that thing is in the, in, in the directions? Um, I need it spelled out, which is why I like YouTube videos. Um, and that taught me the rules. It taught me why things go where they go. And I'm telling you, I benefit from that to this day because I remember some of those but things. I really, from... really, really think that you are probably dyslexic because I know like Brody is the very same way. Like spelling for him yeah. is completely phonetic, which is why I got that spelling program for him to help break down. And all it does is really explain why the vowel, like the rules of why they do what they do because he needs the rules to understand why yep. to do it, to understand how to do it. Yeah. And but then you get we, we certainly would not live without Google or Siri <laughs> to spell anything. I use it all the time. We all do. But I'd say this, I'd say that sometimes those apps, although it makes something more accessible, doesn't mean that kids are necessarily lazy because what it makes me is more inquisitive. So I might say like, we're watching a movie and it's like, um, there's a black bear in it. And I'm like, oh, hey, no, it's gonna start talking to me. Uh, hey, um, you, like how many people die per year from black bear attacks, right? And it's like three. And, and then I wanna like, then I end up going on my phone and like looking up like, yeah. well, how do they die? Or why do they die? Like, this is just my own nature. But what happens is I think sometimes if we can whether it's an app, whether it's a program, whether it's a service, whatever it is, it is letting kids be inquisitive and it's not, you didn't have to go get an encyclopedia. You didn't have to get a dictionary. You didn't have to like go all, ride all the way to the library to find out the answer to something. It's right there. And then I find that my curiosity is just not, is, is insatiable. And so I have to keep looking. And so I think that, um, I don't know how I got on that topic, but uh, that's anyway. That's my grammar answer, and then I, I don't, I don't know how we got there. That was weird. Um, Catherine Metcalf is asking, "What's up, Catherine Metcalf? Uh, I see you on here all the time. I appreciate you." Uh, Reynolds, how do you deal with the stress during the school day? Um, this is a great question. 
because sometimes it's like you're in the middle of the day and you just want to melt and like crawl into your desk or lock your classroom door um take out a secret bottle of wine and then just like you know ease ease your pain i think that some of the things that that have really helped me is learning how to so for me it's breath work sometimes and i don't i don't know like i, I don't like I'm a teacher. I don't have money for like the Wim Hof method or something like that, but I will, um, just breathe sometimes. And, and that helps me. Right. And here's, here's the beauty in that. It's not, sometimes I think it is because I, I am prone to getting very angry very quickly. I am prone to, if I'm not doing the certain things I need to do, uh, leaning towards depression, um, or getting just like, not even just depressed, but feeling like kind of melancholy or in a funk, right? Um, I am like, will get really tired in the middle of the day and then I'm really irritable. Um, I don't let things go very easily sometimes. All that, all that being said, um, sometimes that's not just some, it's not just some woo-woo thing going on in me, but it is your actual biochemistry. And so like, can I eat something, not eat something that's going to help me? So this, this, this is why I try to be mindful of what I eat or what I drink or what I'm taking or the supplements that I do or the reason that I exercise or the reason that I have a spiritual director or I, you know, have been in therapy or, or any other thing. The reason why is because I'm trying to rewire my brain. So knowing that when you're in a funk in the middle of the day, knowing that like taking a walk, like even if you're teaching virtually and you have a 20 minute prep, um, take a walk outside. First of all, we have the opportunity to do this. Now like you go for a friggin' bike ride or a run in the middle of your day. If you have 15 or 20 minutes, that actually helps. It's not just like a, you know, some kind of woo woo thing that is happening. It's not just like, you know, when I was at the beach the other day, one of the things I've been thinking about this summer is how deeply impactful nature is to me. And I'm not like a nature dude. I don't camp. I'm not a hiking dude. I'm not like, you know, out in, I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't wear Birkenstocks. You know, it's just not my jam. Um, but I found that like being in the mountains the other week was, man, I like immediately felt peaceful, but there's science behind that. Right. And I'm a woo woo kind of dude also, but like there's science behind that also, which is, I, I like, um, so I know that's not just psychosomatic. I will. So like taking a ride and getting coffee in the middle of the day, um, taking a walk in the park, going to the ocean, going to the little tiny lake, which is really basically a large pond near my house, um, is something that I like to do. Well, she's in school. So how do you do it if you were in the, if you were still in the classroom? If you're still in the classroom, for me, it was, it was a couple of things. So one, doing any one of those things still. Breath work, go out in your car for a minute, listen to some music, um, call someone, right? That helps me all the time to just talk to my wife about what's going on. Um, while I'm driving to get coffee. Sometimes though, it's just deciding that this isn't that big of a deal. That what that kid said, it's not that big of a deal. It's not gonna, like it is, um, I'm getting upset about it because it's touching something else inside of me. But like, you know, if some kid calls me an asshole, if some kid tells me that my class sucks and I'm not fair, um, it's not that big of a deal. And then I can, when I do that sometimes I can switch. The other thing I do is focus on someone else. I try and find someone else that needs love because I know that giving someone else love is going to make me feel better. And knowing that that's a scientific fact also that sometimes it's, I will start find something to be silly about that's super low 
effort. So like putting like uh, eyeball stickers on kids, sprinkling, uh, not graffiti, sprinkling confetti on them, um, going and doing something silly or fun for someone else. If I go out for coffee, getting another coffee, coming back saying, hey man, cause someone always goes, did you get one for me? And it's like, yeah, bro, I did. And then giving them a coffee and like seeing them light up. Hey man, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. That like all those little things are going to help perk you up a little bit. And so I think that that can help um, as well. So that's, that's typically what I do when I get really crushed is like, I start looking for ways to affect someone else's life, whether that's blowing bubbles, whether that's um, when I would like go up the one day I was having a really hard day and so was Cho, and I have a picture of it on Instagram. Um, anyone that knows that, like, if I if I ever have a sweater on, the shirt that I'm wearing underneath has no sleeves, right? <laughs> so, like, if I'm wearing, like, a cardigan or, like, a V-neck sweater, and I have a dress shirt underneath of it, I cut the sleeves off. Why? Because the sleeves just get all caught up in there anyway, and it's hot, and it's uncomfortable, and it's like, just cut those shits off, and then just wear a sleeve of shirt underneath of it. It's freaking brilliant. Um, but one day I was in the hallway with Cho, and we were just kind of complaining. I'm like, you know what? I'm just like kind of done with this. I need to relax a little bit. So I just take off my sweater, took off my sweater and I'm sitting in the hallway with <laughs> dress pants on, dress shoes, a dress shirt with no sleeves on it and my tie, um, tie clip, everything. My hair's done. I mean, I'm looking on point, but I just, I'm missing sleeves. And I just sat there like it wasn't a big deal. And it was so funny that like just laughing about it like that just changed my day. Um, I'll tell you what, one more quick thing. My students and I last year when we were eating lunch together, we went through like a three month period where every day we watched stand up comedy at lunch. And it was great. I remember it was that. just so funny because it was like you can't help but laugh at some of that stuff and then just changes your biochemistry a bit and then you go back to class and you feel better. So that's something of. Um Georgia. Let's try. Raitano. Raitano. I think that's it. Raitano. I'm going with that. Anyway, Georgia's question is... No, it's just Georgia, isn't it? Oh, Georgia? Why am I saying Georgia? I don't know. I don't know. Because your, 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 your sty is in the way of your eye. eye and it's sty, affecting your reading today. Sty is bothering me. I apologize. Um, I'm doing my music degree this year uh, from Scotland. Oh, fantastic. Any advice on getting started with teaching during your studies or your teaching experience before you got a teaching job? So my... What was yours? Uh, what was my teaching experience for? So, like, I... When, I've never talked about this before. Remember this? We used to do this. Uh, before I started teaching, but I was in college, I started um, volunteering at a program at Martin Luther King High School. And we were working with fifth and sixth graders. And we would take them on trips and we would do writing projects. You don't remember this? Vaguely. I feel like we did I'm it with confusing Tracy. it with... Uh, I thought that was the Frederick Douglass School. Frederick, was it Frederick Douglass yeah. or Martin Luther King? Uh, sorry. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's Frederick what school though school. too. But, um, that's why I was like, what? Frederick Douglass, yeah. yeah. So it was like, I, the idea was like to go and help kids like, you know, on a Saturday, you would go out to somewhere in the, in the city and then you would come back on a bus and then you would help them do like a writing activity. The beauty of that was it gave me actual time with kids. It gave me actual instructional time. Um, but there was no there was, there was nothing attached to it that was going to like, I, it wasn't my job. It wasn't like, I wasn't getting paid. Um, I couldn't screw up. Um, all I did, it was volunteers. So the kids even wanted to be there. I think looking for opportunities like that, where you can connect with young people in a real way. And maybe you're teaching and maybe you're not like, maybe you're just running some, helping to run some kind of like 
after school program where like everyone's watching movies or something along those lines. But in doing that, um, I think that's what you want to do. You want to get as much face time with young people as you can and be teaching, talking, mentoring, something along those lines. So that could be virtually like working for a company, but it could also be like doing after school program. It could be tutoring, it could be something along those lines. But I think that any real world interaction where you're helping young people is, is the move. And that, I mean, you could be a lifeguard and do that. You could work at a summer camp and do that. You could work at the local ceramics place that teaches kids to paint ceramics after school. And like, you know, as long as you can paint better than a six year old then you can get the job, like it's just any kind of interaction like that, that you can get is what I would do. Um, that's awesome. Uh, KAC 27 is asking, how do you, how do you keep, Oh, I'm reading at the bottom again. How do you keep yourself and your students safe from inappropriate behavior while on zoom and maintaining class management? I teach high school ELA. Someone hacked into my zoom call and students were not on track. That, that, just, that stuff's wild. How does someone do that? So was they, it a student? They can be. Yeah. So like if you, if you give your friends the zoom link, link then they can get in. I think part of that is just keep like, and I don't know, I don't know if they hacked beyond this, but like it's having the waiting room and then I make sure that everyone has their actual name. It can't be like, you know, big pimpin at hotmail.com or something like that. It has to be like your actual name, um, is in there so that I can see who it is. Um, and then look, I think it's, I, I think, I would love to know what everyone else thinks about this as well, but some of it comes, it, it's, it's a hard question to answer. And this is why, because they don't know what your specific class looks like. And I don't know how it's being run. I don't know how long you have to be in there. So like if you can get in there, so my, my plan is to go in have like an opening. Like we have to have an opening video. If, I don't know why, but this is what the school is deciding. Um, <laughs> so there's some kind of opening video or activity or whatever. And then what I'm talking about, like my actual dis like giving directions, lecturing, whatever, I don't want to be more than six to eight minutes tops. Um, I'm shooting three to six is what, what my hope is. And so I will try and plan that. So it is short and sweet. If we're talking about, you know, I heard a study the other day that was just saying, um, that, the children of, of the current, like that we're teaching, right, that generation, um, the attention span is eight seconds. That's it. And, you know, that makes sense when you think about things like Vine and Snapchat and Instagram stories and TikToks and like nothing's very long, but the kids just scroll through TikTok, right? And so it is what it is. I'm not like here to be like the old guy that's like, these kids only have eight seconds of attention span. Um, it is, so it is what it is. So it's, looking at the science that says three to six minutes, you get about a 95%, um, like attention like that. Most of your 95% of your kids are, are full in, you know, paying attention six to nine, it drops down to like 70% or something like that, or 65%. And then after that, after nine minutes, it's basically what the hell do you even do it for anyway? So in keeping that in mind, it's like, how can I open with an activity, right? All right. You're coming on, uh, I can mute everyone in the group. 
you're gonna just do this and you have five minutes. Now I'm gonna talk for 10 minutes or, or eight minutes or six minutes or whatever. I'm telling them, six minutes on the clock right now. Here we go, we're gonna uh, tell you what's going on. And then from there, it's breaking into like small groups or doing some sort of activity or giving putting the ball in the kid's court, but it's not me doing it anymore. And I think when things are moving that quickly, I think when things are changing that quickly, um, and when I, there's no downtime to just sit there and think that someone's just going to talk and talk and talk and talk, then that's going to help you also to, to keep things moving. And then I think that that's how you deal with like that kind of virtual classroom management. Um, the other thing is just is, is I think having those conversations with students and being like, let's talk about why this is a bad decision that you're making right now. Let's talk about why this is problematic the behaviors that you're displaying um, and, and all the things I always talk about when I talk about like like one-on-one -on -one conversations with kids, whether it's on the phone or on a Zoom call, seeing if you did anything first, then asking if, if, you know, if they say no, then saying like, well, what's the deal? Like you're, you're, you're hindering yourself, you're hindering others. This is already hard enough for everyone. Like, or is there something else going on that I need to know about that's causing you to exhibit this sort of behavior? That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Um, and I think that, that that should help. As far as the tech side of that, some uh, Candace in the comments says you can use Zoom settings um, to require that students authenticate with their school email and you can also kick people out of Zoom or even lock it down so no one else can join at a certain point. And they said also set class norms on Zoom. Uh, talk about what is appropriate and what is not. I've noticed that some male high school students and young college students think that shirts are optional on Zoom. Oh. Could you imagine? I didn't. I didn't know that. I guess if they don't aren't required to wear like a school uniform, I don't wear a shirt on every time I Zoom. Stop it! Yes, he's got to shoot like this. Oh goodness! All right, guys, here we go. Everyone's too busy looking at my sty to look at my. Uh, it's my bacterial infection to my eye duct. Then then looking at your <laughs> shirt. Um, yeah, that's actually kind of hilarious to think that's like. Because I know teachers are complaining about things like students eating, pets jumping on someone's lap. But to be honest, I, he does that to me all the time. Oh, the yeah. dog always jumps on my lap. And I'm just like, dude, I'm in the middle of doing something. You had a meeting yesterday and I was like, oh my God. You're, you're going to jump right on him in or a meeting knock over your whole phone. With this really <laughs> impressive company. And the dog comes over and he just sits in front of me. He's like, hmm. I have to like hmm. drag him out. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I can't even make eye contact with you. I'm trying, I'm, it was a thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, the world we live in now, um, no shirts. Kids, I'm waiting to see wear... like a YouTube compilation of like crazy moments that happen on Zoom. Oh, laser I'm sure. I'm sure laser beam will go. I'm sure it exists. Um, Olivia is asking, I've been placed to teach two overlaid blocks uh, this year, meaning that I'll be teaching a block with first year art of, for a block with first year architecture and second year architecture at the same time. Any advice navigating <laughs> this? Mm. We, let's just take a let's Olivia. Let's just take a moment and say that this is problematic because it's a terrible idea. That's like having that. that <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, who came up with that plan? Someone was like, nah, 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 put them in the same class together. It'll be all right. That's like, let's get the brown belts and black belts in here together. We'll train them together. And it's like, no, we're not. 
we're not ready for the black belt kids. Like, this is, this is problematic. Like, we are not good enough. Um, I don't think that analogy works because you said brown and black. They're, like, right next to each other. Yeah, but the black belts that are That would be like putting, brown. like, a yellow belt and a black belt together. I, don't, I didn't know any other belts. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I knew white. Just, I just wanted to point that out. I know Maybe some of the colors. I don't know what they do. I don't know what it means, how good you are. You yeah, is yellow white belt then. it? Pink? I don't know. Plaid? I think yellow is one checkered, checkered belt? Plaid belt? <laughs> anyway. Studded belt? I don't know. Oh, um, I think, Olivia, I think the only... So look. How am I thinking about this? All right. Here's my answer. My hip-hop class this year, I'm going to compare this, uh, is all about being in person. It is just the idea of doing it virtually just seems so maddening. Um, I would make your lectures or your points that you're making very short. I would try and figure out how can we look at something. Like, so if we're looking at architecture... What are these students identifying and what are these students identifying? Um, and then giving them separate work. So like you can, you can say the same kind of thing. You can, you can bring the same example or, or something, but then they're looking at it differently. Um, how can you, are there things that this, that the first year kids, and look, this is going to be tough because it might bite you in the ass later if they take architecture too. Can the architecture one students learn anything that's going on in architecture too? Like is everything that you're learning in that second year based on everything you learned on the first year? Or are there some just kind of like ideas that's like, nah, they'll still be able to pick up on this. I think also, um, one of the things I'm planning on doing, I don't know if I'm allowed yet, but I'm, I'm already in, it's already in the works is having a, a speaker once a week come in and speak to students. Um, so that might be something that's useful as well. Uh, or, a lot of, and the other thing I'm trying to think of for the year is a lot of project-based learning so that the architecture two students are doing a project at the same time as architecture one students, but they're doing something separate. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, gosh, this is all, sometimes someone it's tough. Like have we need to have phone calls with people. Two teach one and then someone else said they had. Oh, that's a uh, great idea. Dana Classroom said uh, one of the teachers in their department has to teach regular and honors um, and she has select slides for, for groups to work on during Zoom. So it's worked for her. Well, I, here's, I'll tell you what I would do real rap that, that I, I know like, it's like not method. something a school would condone. Um, <laughs> that's always your method or yeah, route. but I would split the class. I would just say, look, you guys are going to get my, my instruction for like, you come in, here's 10 minute instruction for architecture one kids and then put them in groups then architecture two kids all right i'm going to break it down for you put you in groups and then you can flip-flop between the groups it's sort of like when you make small groups in class like you you have like you know which class is, which group is the stronger one which one is the little bit weaker one which one's the mixed one and you have to just like you, you know you have to differ differentiate your instruction for those kids but the way that i find it's best to in, differentiate that instruction is to go around and interact with those smaller groups individually instead of as a whole um so that's yeah. part of what i'm thinking is like what, what look the bottom line here olivia is what can you do that it might not be the norm 
it might not be something that the school is necessarily going to condone. Now, look, I'm not saying get yourself fired or something, but like, what's going to work? What works for those kids? How are you going to be able to handle that? Um, like, how, how are you going to be able to, to make sure kids are winning to the best of their ability, no matter what? I think that's kind of the question. So, whew. okay, that's tough, man. Yeah. All right. There's so many on. of these questions because there's no easy one clear cut answer or solution. Yeah. And all and of us are trying to figure it out it now. <laughs> this isn't like a thing we had to deal with last year. It's like yeah. it didn't even make it doesn't even make sense now that problem. And it definitely that's like if you had kindergartners and first graders in the same class. Or I'm thinking about how Bridget does like that multi age classroom. But like, what are multi age classroom people doing when you have to teach virtually? Yeah. Like, it's got to mess up your whole I system. Just, we had a comment or something come through uh, recently that someone said that they were doing multi-age classroom virtually. That's got to be really tricky. Yeah, because if you're in person, they're just you have them yeah. segregated in the room, and then you come together for certain stuff. But like online, how does the teacher like float between all of this? Yeah. Unless you do breakout rooms. Yeah, but then you still have to have some moment for like actual like direct instruction yeah. for those individuals. Had a staggered start. <laughs> This one starts this time. This one starts this but time. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. tell those kids, like, yo, I know the school said you have to be here at 8, but show up at 8. Do me a favor. Show up at 8.15. Right. So I can get these dudes, Started. like, rocking. And then that first group, they get out 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. Like, then, all right, now you rocked it, and now you're out. Tiny. That's what I'm going to end up doing this year. Um, I think you're going to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> my buddy, H. Sadat, is, is asking, hey, Reynolds, I work in an institute, and I have every class. Wait. I'm reading that at the bottom again. Hey, Reynolds, I work in an institute and I have every term with different students. My admin says that the terms we prefer, says this term, we prefer you to not teach and just observe because your students were not satisfied. I'm trying my best for my, my job, webinars, books, uh, observations. I really don't know what's wrong. I don't know. I don't do anything except other, what other teachers said. I asked my students several times their comments and they say it's okay. Two of them just complained about their point to the admin. Hold on, I have to scroll this down. I talked to them and it's finished. What should I do? So the bottom line is the school year's not doing well, going well. You are asked not to teach because and just observe because the the school's not satisfied with your performance. If there's a lot you can do, and that's I'm trying to like fiddle it down to like what I think is is the move. So there's two different ideas here, right? Either you are being sort of wrongfully identified as someone that doesn't know what they're doing. Because the students didn't say that and the teachers don't really feel that way. But some, in some way, shape, or form, like, you know, it, 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 the school feels like you are slightly incompetent or, or can't handle your own class. Um, and, and, and they're wrong. The other side is that you're just not very good at being a teacher. Um, either way, I don't think it matters. Because I think that what matters is that you know the truth. And that sometimes as teachers, we will look at students and say, 
Well, it's because of the kids. Like, this class sucks, and I'm doing everything, and I'm trying my hardest, and I'm putting my all into it, and I'm being vulnerable and caring and following up and having interesting lessons, and they're engaging, and I'm trying to be relevant, all the stuff that, that Reynolds is always talking about and that the other teachers are always doing. I'm doing all the things, but they're not adding up to something, to, to, to success. Um, and sometimes... You're right. Sometimes it is the students. Sometimes it's a bad mixture of students in any particular class and it's just hard and, you, and you're not the one to be able to teach them. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're not really doing the thing. Sometimes we're seeing what we want to see. And so my challenge to you would just be to really identify like, what, what, like in reality, like when kids are talking in your class and you need to keep teaching, right? I see this all the time where people say like, um, they will let the one or two kids in the back of the room that aren't really paying attention. They'll let the kid in the back of the room that has his head down the whole period and they don't address it because they're nervous because it's, it's, they, they lack the confidence to address that individual. Um, and then you get into a, a place where it's like, you think things are going all right. Like I've seen teachers teach two classes. They teach out loud. They talk loud. They look above everyone and they just keep going and they're teaching and we're learning stuff and things are going on right now and fractions and history and science and math. And, but in reality, no one's paying attention. So I think what it comes down to is really identifying whether or not you're actually doing it. Then it is slowly, I think, it is not looking at the whole class and how you're going to do better and how you're going to do stuff and how you're gonna be a better teacher, it is slowly looking at um, implementing some things that are going to change the class. So identifying like, what is the biggest problem in your class? Is it getting started? You get in the class, everyone's talking all the time, you can't get the kids on point, you're standing there going, guys, guys, can we start, guys? All right, everyone, can, can we? Everyone, can we pay attention? I'm start, all right, James, stop. Can you stop, Mary, can you stop touching him? That You start doing all that nonsense instead of like, if that's a problem for you, you figure out, okay, how do I lock down the first five minutes of my class? How do I make it so that, and when I say lock down, like I don't want to equate school to prison, but like it is, how do I get that first five minutes to be, to flow more seamlessly, to just happen, to be, you know, more successful, to help the students get more engaged, to help them get started. When we can do that, and then you go, okay, when you keep working on that first five minutes, 10 minutes, and it's unlocked, okay, what's the other thing I'm learning? Okay, no one's writing down their homework, no one's getting ready to leave at the end of the period, like the end of my class is kind of a shit show. So then looking at just that last five or 10 minutes. So you're not looking at the whole class and trying to knock everything out of the park. It's like learning one part of this, and then I'm going to learn the next part of this. And then I'm going to learn the middle of this. But it is, it has, that has to come from you really being honest with yourself about who you are and, and how you teach. But I think that that's, that's the best piece of advice that I can give. Um, because, and, and yeah, and, and, and so I think that that's, that's the move uh, in that particular situation. Two more. Got it. Um, dress to read. First of all, great question, or great, uh, great name. Um, first year teacher, first week done. My kids seem to be, to trust me immensely, which is great. Fantastic. 
They're opening up about sensitive stuff and writing about depression, rape, etc. How do I give feedback on this? And when reading your when reading your kids' writing, when do you approach the counselor? When they say things like they need a therapy or heavy stuff, I'm uh, thankful that they trust me, but I just want to approach it right. So this is a great question. So um, when my students start opening up to me about any number of things, it is of the utmost importance that you let the people know that need to know when kids talk about things like trauma at home, being beaten by someone, not eating enough, um, not, you know, like, uh, like whether they were raped or, or molested when they were younger, like kids will like kids with trauma typically wear armor. They have like a, like a mental or like an armor around their heart, right? When you are, become a trusted person what my experience i am not a counselor i'm not a professional at this my experience is once there is a crack in the dam it has a tendency to open up and you get all the stuff you learn all the things everything mom ever said to me dad ever said to me someone ever did to me something ever happened to me you get all of it what you're doing in allowing the professionals to know the counselors the social workers and whatnot to know is that what I think that's a sign of is you caring about that child. And so a kid might look at it as you ratted me out. You told someone I trusted you. You betrayed my trust. I let kids know on the front end, look, if you tell me that something that I think is dangerous, that I think is, is more than either one of us can handle, of course I would tell someone else because I want you to have the help. That if I was, you know, if you were on fire and I knew someone had a fire extinguisher. Like I, that's a stupid metaphor, but like I would tell them to hose you down, man. Um, it, it's, and, and I tell kids that all the time and I've never, never had a kid not trust me after that. That like, if I found like a kid that came into school and they said something about like not having deodorant or soap at home or there was no hot water, I go and tell the counselor. Um, it doesn't, mean I stop talking to the kid and sometimes I'll even tell a student like hey look just so you know um I I told this person but even if I don't tell them um the counselor will always follow back with me and say look I told them that you told me um so you might want to follow up or they have no idea that you told me I just told them that like um so this happens like when kids have like a like bed bugs and you have to like go tell the counselor and then like because uh, you see like a bug on them or something like that or lice or something along those lines, um, you, they, they don't like what will happen is like, they don't know that it came from you. Right. And, 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 and that's, that's good. But I think I always follow up with those students again. Like I just know, I don't want them to think that I don't, um, that I'm not someone that's trustworthy, but it's, it's the most important thing to tell someone that really needs to know. Uh, you can also lose your job for doing something like that. I mean, if someone talked about getting raped, to you and then they ended up hurting themselves, whether they were cutting themselves or they tried to commit suicide, like that's gonna come back on you and then you're gonna feel really bad about it. I, but I let students know all the time that your success is the most important thing to me. Your well-being is the most important thing to me. And I will let nothing get in the way of that. Not how you think about me, how you feel about me. Like I'm willing to put myself on the line for you, that's how much I care about you. It's a real hard thing for kids to argue with that, I think, most of the time. In my, again, in my experience. Um, 
Sean Z is asking, our school is having us call home to families every week, and I really think that is ultimately a good thing. How would you all recommend handling phone calls that are emotionally draining, uh, other phone calls that are outright mean? Um, I, you know, I think in calling home, to me, here, here's, how I, here's how I win having hard conversations with parents all the time. There's a lot of fronting that comes when you call parents a lot of times. Like parents will tell you like, oh, oh, they didn't do their homework? Don't have to worry about that. That'll never happen again. I gotta unlock. And then it's like the next day they don't have their homework. Or you call and you tell the parent about a behavior that happened in class. The parents often feel like they're going to be attacked or that they're being judged because their kids are acting a certain way. And those of you with kids know that like you can do all the greatest parenting that you can, but like sometimes your kids lie to you. Sometimes they just like don't listen to you. Sometimes they do something, you know, stupid or, or without thinking, but guess what it is? They're kids and that's why they do it. So it doesn't really always have a reflection on the parent. Um, I like to call parents and let them know, Hey, look, this thing happened. Like I, like I'm almost talking about like it's nonchalant or it's like not that big of a deal. Right. Because ultimately, even if a kid punched another kid in the face, even if someone cursed at someone, even if someone said like a, a, a demeaning comment to someone, it's about calling and I don't want people on guard. So I'm not going to be like, uh, excuse me, I want to tell you about something your child did in class today. All right. He hit another child in class. Now the mom's like, oh, what happened but to my baby? And like, what did the other kid do to him? It's about just saying, hey, look, this happened in class today. I want your kid to win. Um, and I'm just, I just want you to know because I want us to be on the same page. Um, has anything like this ever happened before? Is there something I should know? Is there something I should do? Um, and if something happened like this before, what was, what helped it to be better or what do you wish would have happened? Right? So like if your kid, um, was in a particular predicament, they're not doing homework or they're acting out in class, like yeah, they used to do this a lot last year and this teacher handled it this way and it just made it escalate. It just made it worse. Okay, so what do you, like, you're almost calling home to get advice. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what I can do to help mitigate this because I just want your kid to be successful. And I think when parents know that you care, that you're being understanding and that you're looking for solutions or you're looking for help because what you're doing is recognizing that that parent knows more about this than you do, I think it ends up being a really healing and really productive conversation rather than like, oh, let me tell you what happened today. Yo, your kid didn't do homework for six weeks. What the hell's going on over there? It's, you're blaming it on parents, you're blaming it on kids and you don't even have the story. So sometimes you talk to parents and it's it becomes, you get the reason, not the excuse for the behavior. Like, yeah, he's really going through it right now. He had a hard time. His grandfather's been sick. His dad's out of work. You know, we've, he's been quarantined since March. Whatever it is, you're looking for solutions. And I think that that's, that's where I would start from. Um, but yeah. That's it. That's our last Oh, that's our, okay. That's it for now because we have to get, oh, damn, 79 minutes already. Um, I have like four of the things I have to do today that I'm, that I'm obligated to do. So I have to, I have to split. And taking kids um, to their omas is one of them. Uh, <laughs> Yes, yes, because the kids are going away for the night. So look, let, can I just say something before everyone clicks off, right? I think that this is an unprecedentedly difficult, I don't even know I'm sure if that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's an unprecedentedly difficult beginning to a school year. 
I have talked to many, many people, right? Whether it is through my mentoring, whether it's through DMs and messages and folks I've just done phone calls with and stuff, everyone is feeling that same thing, right? It will be okay. The beginning of this, my school has what I think is not my favorite way to start the school year, right? We're doing things and talking about things in a way that I am not, I'm not like, yes, this is a great idea. But I know it's going to change. It has to change. And we'll figure it out together. That the fact that, you know, I, what I'm being mindful of is who am I going to surround myself this year that is positive, that is excited about the work, that is trying to figure things out to help students. That's what I'm surrounding myself with. And then virtually, who am I surrounding myself with as well? Being mindful of my mental health, of how I'm taking care of myself, of not putting too many hours in, um, even though I happily work for out, I could work 15 hour days every day and I would, it would not bother me in the least. I just, I love it. Um, but knowing that that's not sustainable, that that's not healthy, that I need to take care of myself is really important also. And I would implore all of you to do that as well. Um, if there's ever anything I can do, you can email me, you can, you know, let me know what's going on. Um, and that doesn't just have to be for all of you. Like, remember, this is a community that we're a part of. So whether you're in the Facebook group, bring some friends. You see someone that's struggling, bring them to the Facebook group. I don't make any money. Like, this is not stuff I make money off of. Um, show up to the live feed. It's not stuff I make money off. I mean, I do get AdSense, but it's like, thanks for the my 13 cents today. Um, that, that's not what I'm here for. Um, or, you know, it is, but uh, I think like finding books that help those students. So like Adam welcomes teachers deserve it and Ray teacher deserve it just came out um teacher class off is available and you can just go right to teacherclassoff.com and you can get the book right from there um so like there are things in in motion the last thing i would say too is that i do do mentoring it does cost money you can go right to our website but i'm just saying like if you need that one-on-one -on -one help do please do not feel like you are in this alone and that it is all over and that you're just not good enough um there, there are things out there and people out there that can help you and i think our facebook group is a testament to that like any I love group. the Facebook group. It's just just it's go like, it's so what you need to do. just go message helping. go message Dave Dunn Savage and he will make your whole life better because he's yes, an he's incredible human fantastic. being. Um, that's it, everybody. I hope you have a really really wonderful week, um, and we'll be back next week Sunday, one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sunday night teacher talk in the afternoon. That's it. Peace.